Welcome to Girl Meets 30, a podcast exploring the unexpected journey to becoming a 30-something. Hi, I'm your host, Tara, here to share experiences from my 20s that have changed my life, while also interviewing others about their journeys. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire you to choose your best life and to prove you're not alone if you're feeling like life has taken you somewhere totally different than where you expected. In this space, we define our own success. Hey, what's up you guys? I just wanted to take this opportunity to quickly interrupt my previous self before I really get started and put a little disclaimer on this that I recorded this episode back in August while I was staying with my friend in Liverpool. So if you hear me make any comments about time and place, please just disregard that. It's all irrelevant at this point since it's now January of 2023. So um, yeah, that's all that I wanted to say. But I am really excited for this episode. I think it's a ton of fun and we talked about a lot of different topics, including some serious ones too though, like life, friendships, and funerals. We also briefly touched on suicide prevention, mental health, diversity, and inclusion, though very, very briefly I might add, but just as a heads up to everyone before we get started. I hope you guys do enjoy this as I plan on posting another episode with this guest and also doing a blooper reel because, I don't know, just for fun I guess, because I assume that everything that we find funny will be funny to everyone else for some reason, even though we all know that's not true, yet I'm still gonna do it. So um, anyway, that's coming, but with all of that being said, I will let myself and my surprise guest get on with the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Girl Meets 30. I know it's been a really long time. I'm not even going to check and see. Oh, actually, no, my birthday. Yeah, it's been a couple months. <laughs> but um, I have a quick update on my life right now. I'm on this big trip and I brought my microphone with me. But unfortunately, I was an idiot and I forgot the little adapter piece that connects my microphone to my computer so I can actually do the recordings because I have one of the newer Macs that doesn't have the USB plug-in, so hooray for that. But uh, yeah, I didn't get to do any recordings in July like I wanted to. So then I got to England and bought one of them, which means I can record now. And also brings me to my next point, which is that I have a guest today. It is a good friend of mine from when I worked in China, my friend Paul. Hello, everyone. Paul is one of the most British people I know. He just like oozes Britishness. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul. Put me you... open as a Union Jack. Yeah, pretty yes. much. Yeah. So, Paul. Hello. Hi. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe you can do a better job than I did. Hi, my name's Paul. I taught abroad Ooh. for six years total. So I did a little bit in Thailand for one summer when I was doing my degree and then I lived in South Korea for two years. I came back for a year and I did my master's in English literature and then I went to China for four years. Oh my gosh. And I taught at a university in a province in the middle of China for one year, which was a, a state university, which we can talk about, which is very interesting. And then I lived in Shanghai with you, well not with you, with at the same time for <laughs> three years and then I came back 2018 and I've been in the UK since and I live in Liverpool. Oh yeah now he's in Liverpool but he doesn't have the Liverpool accent but he could do it pretty well but I'm not going to ask him to. I think that might be offensive. 
Probably. I probably, <laughs> probably, it would, probably wouldn't be a good job. But Paul does um, pretty good accents, I think, in general. But maybe that's kind of similar to like, I think Americans can sometimes do different American accents. And I think like within our various regions, maybe not super well, but like if you heard Paul try to do like a South, like an accent from like the South, you know? It wouldn't be good. It's horrible. I'm for making it ram for bacon. <laughs> oh my Lord. Is that a dog out there? We do have mice and men with one of the ear groups, so I read it out loud to them with my strong American accents, and the kids really enjoy it. And then the kids enjoy the fact that they're quite dreadful, and then they can go and have a good job at being dreadful. Because that's half the fun, is just like going for it. Paul played it for me. It was very enjoyable to listen to, actually. I mean, the accent wasn't excellent, but it was The enthusiasm fun. It was there. fun, the yeah. The enthusiasm's there. You don't feel like a British person is reading the story. <laughs> so it transports you a bit better. I think if you were reading of Mice and Men with a British accent, it would be... Weird. Really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, Are there any books that you feel like if it's read in an American accent that it would be weird? Um, no. No. No, not really. No. But I imagine if they did the, the characters' voices, they'd have to... But the actual description, probably not. Why doesn't Harry Potter an audiobook? Did a British person read that? Maybe for like the British versions, but there are also American versions, right? right? Yeah. So like, even just the title changes, like yes. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. That was the original. Yeah, but in American like English, sorcerer. yeah, the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. So as a sorcerer, a philosopher. No, and I don't really know why the change. Really? We googled it, we'd probably look very clever. Well, sorcerer... I think it was just publishing. I think it was just, I think it was just an off-putting word. Sorcerer. Philosopher. Philosopher. In, yeah. But, hmm, I just think, it, why is, I don't know, maybe I just don't... Because it was a school, Hogwarts, so it's uh-huh. like studying. But some, some... But the stone was a philosopher's stone and not a sorcerer's stone. Uh, why was Harry Potter Harry renamed Potter in America? And... I think that just it was to do with publishing. I think they just felt that philosophy would sound too. They wouldn't know what it was. It was changed by the American publisher, yes. Scholastic, which yes. we all know, uh, because it thought American children wouldn't want to read a book with philosopher in the title. <laughs> Seems super founded in yeah. lots of research. But it's interesting that actually Harry Potter as well had to have all of the words change as well. Do you like from tap to faucet? sidewalk and yeah. things like that. Well, and that's what I thought, because like obviously they make those changes so that people don't have any confusion. And I thought that that was the philosopher and like sorcerer issue. I thought they were just changing it because yeah, no. you guys used a different word no. or something. But no, because I was going to ask what is a philosopher. We read American books like yeah. Charles Webb and stuff like that yeah. and had American words in it. I well, think it's good to... Sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, though, if it's a word that we use that we already know, but we know it as something else. So, for example, if I'm reading something and someone's like, I used my torch in the cave, I'm going to think a prop, like, okay. An old-fashioned. Like a real torch with, with like, flames. Like an Olympic torch. Because we use torch in that sense. Right, I see. So, yeah, like, same with, like, that's the confusion for me with, like, philosopher versus sorcerer in that situation, Mm because I was like. Well, we also use philosopher. So I th- I just assumed, since we know the word philosopher, that the reason it was changed was because 
oh. a difference in meaning. That's weird, though. I want that is weird why they changed. But in that. the same way that J.K. Rowling was called J.K. Rowling by her publishers because they felt that Joanne Rowling boys wouldn't buy a book written by a woman. Bollocks. So there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of work goes into what's on the cover. There's also a thing about boys often won't read books with a picture of a girl on a cover. And but girls f- will read books. Exactly. That, mm, yeah. mm, mm, that's and there's a lot of work actually about is that toxic same, masculinity. Is, is that the same thing in America where people are worried the boys aren't reading? Or yeah. Boys. I think so. I and think... there's a thing about oh, boys have to read books about war. Mm. They have to read books about football. They have to read books about. As far as like the world that I live in, maybe it doesn't get like publicly argued yes. about that much. But I assume maybe like more teacher yeah. conversations and stuff yeah. may relate to that, and maybe more articles and stuff about that. But just like being a person who has lived my life. I would say, yeah, yeah, people, absolutely. Like there's, like, like we were just saying, like girls can read books regardless of what whatever it is, and like boys get have that limited based on yeah. what is like a, a boy's book. You know, they want something survival or mm. something else. You know, something a little more masculine, if you but will. But all the research shows that it doesn't make a difference. So there's a few things. So the things that encourage reading work for both boys and girls. So that's access to books, um, reading books that are pertinent to their lives, being read to, etc, etc, etc. But a lot of those things take money and they take time. So it's it's a much easier thing to just go, oh, boys need to read these type of books rather than actually, you know, doing the work and helping everybody with reading. I think depending on like your class level possibly and like just your upbringing it's possible that the type of um like maybe mom tucked you into bed and maybe mom would have read a book or something but like dad might not have done that I know it was like not the case in my family and so like I don't know I think there's just sort of signals your whole life that like reading isn't for men but you said you read a lot as a kid I I did but my brothers did not and was that because of you had books at home or was that school? We all had books at home, but I asked for books. I wanted books. We would do like scholastic book fairs and things like that. And I loved that. I loved being able to get books, but I also loved going to the library and getting books or doing like the summer library programs that the school like either offered or like told us about because every year at like the end of the year when we were young, a librarian would come and like make sure everyone had their library cards so that you could, if you wanted to like join those Mm -hmm. programs. Um, At least like while I was young, I remember doing that, but I don't know. So like my brothers all had this same opportunities but they were never readers and so there is part of me that does think that like there is a certain or at least back then I think there was more of like that was just part of toxic masculinity like I feel like boys aren't supposed to read and granted there were plenty of boys who did but I do think that maybe like I said there's like a class difference there. and there's also a thing that like nobody really is bothered when girls don't read mm. as much as boys people people sort of like oh there's this sort of this this moral panic that when boys slip down the league tables, when girls outperform boys, that's sold as boys are doing worse, when in fact girls are outperforming them, they're getting better. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. So then there's so then people have this moral panic of what can we do to get boys rather than, oh, aren't girls doing well? What are girls 
oh, how can we celebrate this? Hmm. There's that there's that panic around it as well. So I, I think from my observations that a lot of girls don't read in general. Really? Yes. Or, you know, they're on their phones or, or not taking a great interest in it. But that's never seen as something to worry about. Hmm. Whereas boys not reading, it's like, oh, what can we do to get boys reading? Most of my friends who are... I actually... I, so I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast. I feel like the majority of my friends are guys. But I would say of my friends that are girls, it's like 100% of them are readers. Where I don't know if I could say that about my guy friends. Maybe 60, 65%. I don't know. Like, maybe it's true what you're saying that the girls don't read as much. But I also, from my personal experience, I have that same perception that girls read more. Yes. But again, in... in talk about publishing in terms of the type of books the type of stories chiclet mm. is the biggest market of books but it never wins awards it's never given literary kudos it never wins prizes it's even though it's the biggest market mm-hmm. it doesn't win prizes or is taken as not seriously usually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. as fiction that is generally it's kind of the same male. with chick flicks as well yes yeah when it comes to movies but... yeah there's an there's an irish author called marion keys mm-hmm. who um writes a lot of very dark books so she struggled for herself with alcoholism and depression that happens a lot in her novels if you google the covers of them they look very chiclet they're pink Mm -hmm. they've got like a a squiggly font for her name Mm -hmm. and she was interviewed and said does that bother you that you know it's been marketed chiclet and she goes no not really because that's how they're sold i'm able to reach a right yeah that's right yeah but the big thing with her is that when you read it it really is like a cute, fluffy mm. romance. Mm-hmm. And if she was a guy, mm-hmm. it would it would be winning awards and she'd be seen as this very, you know, adept writer. But because it's pink and with like a silly font, it's seen as, oh, that's... that's so people are judging books women. by their cover. By the covers. Mm-hmm. Which we all know is true. Like, that happens. No matter how much you're told not to. Yeah. But I find myself, like, if I'm in a bookstore, what catches my eye the most, like, that's... The first thing I'm gonna like pick up and like look into and see if I want yeah. that book or not. What's a book you've read this year that you would recommend? Uh, I just read <laughs> Where the Crawdad Sing. So if you are somebody who has any interest in seeing that film, read the book first. I would like to recommend Nevada by Imogen Binney, which was a great book. It was written about seven or eight years ago, and it was about a trans woman in mm. New York who works at a bookshop and is sort of at the end, she's got dumped and hates her life. So she sort of borrows, but never gives back her girlfriend's car and takes a road trip from New York to Nevada. And it was, it won a lot of attention because it was the first time that a trans protagonist Mm -hmm. was there. But the main issue of their life was not the fact that they were trans. That was the secondary issue to being poorly paid and being dumped and something else, something else. I like that. Really funny. I like that. You know, sometimes I feel like sometimes when it comes to like the LGBTQ community, for example, I think sometimes it's like the point of the story is that they're part of the LGBTQ community as opposed to it being the story and that just being a piece of their identity, the character's identity, you know, like it seems like almost like too much. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't read like all kinds of lgbtq books yeah. in general but i do feel like in we just make things out to be 
like that's the premise as yeah. opposed to that's just a part of the character that's a, a character trait you know like mm. it's not it's the same when we do diversity in english there's no point putting in a load of text by black authors where they're all about being beaten by mm. the police and being discriminated against like that that's very narrowing maybe right. one perspective of them as a press what you want is things about black astronauts or poems about the weather by black mm. authors or just general or just yeah just general just that literature story, of every day. Right. yeah right they're just living whatever like the same exact story you could have by any other yes. character and it, they just happen to be yeah of a different race or yeah. you know orientation whatever like mm. yeah shouldn't be the defining element so just to be clear those stories are still important they have their place too we absolutely should not gloss over anything from history or the reality of the issues but at the same time in order to bridge that gap genuine inclusivity and representation when writing books movies everything else is essential so hopefully that came across how we meant it but anyway the plan for this segment was actually for us to just get to know paul a bit discuss our gratitude as usual but um, clearly <laughs> that's kind of gotten away from us. So um, we're just going to take a quick break and return for our gratitude segment. All right, welcome back, guys. Time to talk about gratitude. Uh, we're going to make this kind of quick because we have a whole other segment well, several segments planned, and yeah, the gratitude. Like we don't need to dwell on it. We could do two parts. We could do. Oh. We could. Yeah, so. That's one way to lose listeners. We don't know, but you guys will know by the time this comes out if it's one part or two parts, because <laughs> it'll probably be in the title, but I won't know until I edit all of this, so we'll see where it takes us. Anyway, as you guys know, with my podcast, I usually start off by talking a bit about gratitude, so maybe something just recent that you have to be grateful for it. I think it's good to practice that. Sometimes I'm not the best at doing that in my everyday life, so here I am. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it comes as no surprise. I'm actually really grateful to be traveling outside of the U.S. It's the first time since COVID. Am I allowed to say that? Is my podcast going to get blocked after uttering those words? I don't know, but they used to do that. Pandemic. I don't know if they do it anymore. The pandemic. No, yeah. Since the pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic. Since the pandemic. I'm going to leave it all in. I don't really care. My friends will listen if they listen. <laughs> it's not here for strangers to find my podcast where I mentioned COVID once. Twice. <laughs> anyway, so just really being able to like get out and do something international and exciting. I was in Belgium for a month. Now I'm in England. And um, spoiler alert for some future gratitude is I'm pretty sure planning a few more international trips in the upcoming six months. So very exciting. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, I'm going to turn it over to you, Paul. What have you been grateful for? Well, you've been with me for a week Yeah. now. Yeah, so lovely. I've been very grateful to be able to show you around. I'm and grateful I think for that it too. changes your perspective <laughs> when you have guests mm. and you take them to different places. And I think you become more grateful for where you live and showing what, because sometimes you take for granted the history and the nature and blah 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 so then I show you the waterfront and the Beatles things and like the Georgian Quarter there's a Chinatown one of the oldest in England we saw the Red Squirrel <laughs> the Sanctuary Red 
and the beaches and the big park. So it's, it's been nice to see all like, the little different bits and pieces that make up where you live. Yeah, yeah. What it's like known for. Sometimes you don't think about your home and like mm. what makes it special, what makes it different than somewhere else. You take it for granted. Sometimes mm. you walk past a very big famous building every day. You go, oh yeah, it's, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, it's, it's actually quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really... I'm grateful for that as well, for you being my little tour guide and my motivation for coming here and showing me what a fun new place I have to explore. So, And I'm grateful that you've opened up your home to me. And people should visit more places in England, not just London. Yeah, it's more than just London, guys. There's a whole England to explore. Hashtag. Hashtag England is my... Eritrea. My what? Eritrea. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I didn't know what you said. <laughs> It took me a minute. <laughs> so what's this segment about? Friendship. Friendship. This segment is about friendship. Okay, so we first met. Yes. I got the job in Shanghai, but mm-hmm. I was living in a different city in China, mm-hmm. which meant I didn't have to fly in. Yes. And we were given campus accommodation mm-hmm. by the school, but it wasn't ready. So we were put up in a hotel for a week before we moved in. Yeah. So I took a sleeper train from the city where I was to Shanghai. So I arrived there quite early in the morning and I checked in and obviously I was already there, so I had all my paperwork and stuff. So I, you know, wandered around and got a new SIM card and blah, blah. Because fun fact, you have to get a different SIM card for different cities and provinces in China. They won't work outside or they are different. Really? As in, as in yeah, they have different... You have different... I'm fairly sure that different cities have different dialing codes. And I can't remember why I had to get a new one. So you mean like area, like the plus area one? Area yeah. Or like the country code. In major cities, landline numbers consist of a two-digit area code. Wait, maybe. You might be right. Yeah. So in, in Shanghai, it was plus eight six. Eight six, But other places, it'd be different. It's not really that important. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I had arrived quite early. I had to go and get a new SIM card and blah, blah. So I got back to the hotel and I was quite bored, as in I was in this hotel room with nothing to do, and the liaison man came knocking around to check that I was okay, and I said, oh, um, is there anybody else here who is new? And he gave me a list <laughs> of, <laughs> which wouldn't, which wouldn't happen, but I'm very grateful he did, otherwise yeah. who'd have known. So he gave me a list of people of names and room numbers of people that were new, and your name happened to be on the top. It either your name was on the top or your room was nearest to mine. Oh, it was one of the other. Yeah. And so I went and knocked and said, do you want to grab dinner? And then we went and got dinner that first yeah. night. What was your memory of that? I think I've told you this before, but I was weirded out. Like, I thought it was really, really weird. It made me a little uncomfortable. When I hear your story now, like, it makes sense. Yes. 
But at the time, like, I had, you know, just gotten in. I was in my room. Someone knocks on my door, right? So it's, like, either someone who works at the hotel or, like, my assumption is, like, administration. Because who else would know that I'm in that room? Yes. So you've got a list in your hand. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you brought the list yeah. to the door. And you're knocking on it. And so I see you with, like, paperwork standing at my door. And then I go, oh, is it Tara? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, yeah. And so, like, you know, we met and you had then asked me if I would go to dinner and I'm just confused right because I'm like does he work for the school well you do work for the school but not for the administration and so it didn't like register Uh, it seemed odd like I thought that administration was taking me to dinner and I was very confused at first but then we went to dinner and we had a great time we had a good time and it was yeah and I learned that you weren't administration you were just another teacher but do you think but do you think that being abroad mm-hmm. where you needed friends more mm-hmm. in a sense because you were not as independent by yourself meant that you reached out more to me it did to me before I moved before I went away out of England mm-hmm. I was quite okay these are my friends mm-hmm. and then being abroad made me realize that actually you ha- you can go up to people or you can search for groups of people mm-hmm. or you can go up and say oh you can make new friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do think that um, that's one thing that travel and, you know, living abroad definitely teaches you. I mean, I think in general, if you, well, this actually will get into our conversation perfectly, but, um, you know, when you, you, we all have periods of our life where things may change drastically. So one example for a lot of people is going from high school to college or university, you know. But once you go to university, some people might already know people there. But odds are you're going to a place that you don't really know anyone or very many people and you are being thrown into a situation where everybody is looking to make friends. And so you just learn to make new friends. And it was similar, like when you're moving to China, for example, there are lots of new teachers and it's great because everyone is in the market for new friends. And that's the same thing about uni Mm -hmm. and college, whereas some people who are maybe, you know, took a year out and are coming in Mm -hmm. or are second and third years, if you're not brand new, then it is harder to fit in. Like if you Mm -hmm. imagine you had to start a semester later, then you're not, you've, you've missed that boat so it is something about everybody being in that same level yeah and there's a need then for each other that you maybe don't have maybe it's that vulnerability yeah of of you need somebody to help navigate this new experience with like new job new school new country yeah that helps you whereas if you've been there for a while you're more secure Mm -hmm. and less It's a bit of that safety in numbers too, right? Because like, if it's just you and you're like, when when one kid moves to a new school when you're younger or something, and everyone is already a friend group, right? That can be a bit daunting. But when you're in a situation where everyone's new, then it's a little more of an inviting situation to just like introduce yourself, you know, just make new friends. It's also like that, like, that's one of my favorite things about staying at hostels. To be perfectly honest, like, I know not everybody loves hostels, but if you stay at a decent hostel and, like, there's, a sen- there's like, a sense of community amongst the travelers, so you can just meet a ton of other people who are also alone and traveling and just looking to make friends during that time. Well, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy that. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. 
and I think that anyone who's afraid of solo traveling shouldn't be afraid of solo traveling because I feel like you can just meet people. Yeah. It's a lot easier than you would think. Yeah, when I was 19, my first major trip abroad was to Thailand. It was I 18, 18 or 19? And I stayed for a pound a night what? in Bangkok in a 32-bed um... dorm. It was a bit like a prison cell. And I met a guy from India, a guy from Malaysia. There was four of us, and I can't remember where they were. We went out, and I'd, I'd landed that day. I was quite jet-lagged. And went out, and there was a ladyboy <laughs> on the, the street, mm-hmm. which is illegal, as in prostitution. Is, is illegal in Thailand, I believe. And the one of the other guys was so drunk he didn't realise that it was a man that he was that he was going with. Yeah. And so the other sort of beckoned him over to explain. And then we drank more and then we went into a McDonald's and then the lady boy came in and then started yelling that he didn't that he hadn't paid her for whatever. <laughs> so this and so everybody's looking now. I'm I have no <laughs> idea what really what's going on. And then he so she she grabbed his shoulder, turned him round and started yelling. And then he then pushed her away. And then the police came in. Now obviously the Thai police you do not mess with. And then I'm somehow involved in this group. Oh, no. We all get taken over together. And then fortunately the guy was 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 smart enough to know that he looked at he got them, the police look at the CCTV. And because because she grabbed his shoulder first and turned him round, he managed to get away with it. Wow. Then the policeman said, order food. You're in my country, order food. And so we ordered food from McDonald's mm-hmm. and sat down. And he came to our table and we ate this McDonald's in complete silence. And then he got up and, and left. What an interesting experience. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you should stay in hostel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Okay, so back on the friend thing. So we had been friends for a bit, and then you came and said, or, or you let it out, that you had, you had <laughs> friends for a reason, friends for a season. I didn't say that well. quote, but... Because that makes it sound worse, I think. Okay, well, you... you I think you, that sounds harsh. Okay. that Because that's not my quote, right? That's like a no, quote. No, yeah, so what... So the quote is, there's friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends for life. I don't know. I don't know the quote. Oh. <laughs> but I know that... I know that... What I had said was, I've always kind of said, like, that I have seasonal friends. friends. And I got harassed so hard by three of my closest friends in Shanghai. (laughs) And they were like, what, are we just seasonal friends then? Like, no. (laughs) I just feel like... But it's true. It is true. True. It's true. But I think that, like... But I don't think you could have friends for a reason. That that also sounds really negative. That that sounds really negative. It sounds like you're using people. I mean, I I think friends for a reason comes under this umbrella of like work friends, maybe. Oh, so you're interpreting it differently than I am. I interpret it. So you have friends for a reason, as Mm -hmm. in you work together or you're doing something together. Ah. And so maybe you wouldn't, you would, you see each other in a context, mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't meet with them outside. I like that interpretation better so than So maybe, you know, you're friends with somebody at work, maybe you wouldn't hang out with them at the weekend, mm-hmm. especially at work. You're quite close and you can talk about worky things. Worky things. Worky things. Worky things. And then obviously friends for a season is to do with people, you know, at college. 
yeah, the, people you know were the part the chapters of your life yes and so like for me i didn't think that what i was saying sounded harsh or anything but obviously you guys made me <laughs> feel otherwise but i, I, think I people don't know it just <laughs> most people don't say it out loud. <laughs> but i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a negative thing and it's not saying that these people are any less important just because they were a part of your life during a certain phase of it. And like, it doesn't mean that right now I don't care about those people. They're still very meaningful to me. It also makes the times more interesting. So you could go back to, I mean, you grew up in Toledo Mm -hmm. and then went back years later. Yeah. And it's not the same. No, it's not. Because the friends have moved and the people have moved. So the same way we could go back to Shanghai Mm -hmm. now and it wouldn't be the same. So, and the same with Yeah. So it's that idea that those people at those, Mm -hmm. that time Mm -hmm. makes those memories. Yeah. And that's actually quite nice in a way that actually if you miss a certain place, mm-hmm. you're not missing the place, you're missing the place and those people. Yeah. Which wise I'm like, oh, I don't need to go back to Shanghai. Because right. actually it wouldn't be the same. The same. Yeah, absolutely. But there is a pressure now, I think because of a lot of social media, to, to try and keep seasonal friends on life support. <laughs> in <laughs> a life sense. Support. <laughs> maybe yeah. that's not the best <laughs> no i mean for. like so you were friends at that time and then you've moved away yeah and your lives are very different and some of those people do stick around in a very prominent way but yes. sometimes you just recognize the beauty of that relationship at that time for what it was and like if something you know if you find out that something exciting happens for that person or some, like through social media for example yes. because we all do keep in touch you know we, it's like everyone has all of these friendships that have been like being held on by like a thread, right? But then you have like your closer friendships which have been like braided into these friendship bracelets. And it's nice in the sense that if you are in the same vicinity, mm-hmm. so if you're visiting near where they live, that there's an opportunity. So, so you then, can reach out and catch yes. up. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like I feel like the, f- so for example, like I worked at an amusement park and for two summers of my life and I, like the first summer was a certain group and the second summer was a different group of all like international employees and we've all, both summers, like formed such strong bonds and yeah, good for social media, we've been able to keep in touch to a certain degree but like a few of those people I do talk to very consistently and they are a big part of my life but there's also a huge number of them that we just keep much smaller connections. Like I said, more like a thread that's holding us together as opposed to like this lovely woven friendship bracelet. (laughs) And so like, I don't know, with those, those ones that are just held on by a little bit, I feel like, I mean, obviously it varies. Maybe there's one strand, maybe there's a little braided strand of three strands or something as opposed, yeah, anyway, my metaphor is getting out of hand. But like, for, for example, like if, you know, there's somebody who's closer to you than, because obviously you'll have like people you worked with and you have people you spent, people who are on your crew, people you were much closer with. Um, and then the people who have stuck around consistently over the last 10 years since I stopped working there. And so you have these varying degrees and like, yeah, maybe I couldn't reach out to somebody on the the weaker thread and like ask the them if I could ring. come stay at, yeah, the, the outer ring. <laughs> um, I couldn't ask them if I could go like stay at their house or something, but the one with like the nicely woven bracelet sure could but then i could meet up with the people in the middle you know and we could catch it's up all, it's and, also and that thing appreciate that you're, what you're, you're friends and then you're friends of friends so well there's that too yeah that's separate though from my what, what you were point. saying yeah yeah because yeah. those are people that i they're not friends of friends but they're like my personal connections but, but do you find in a group 
mm-hmm. that you would maybe you yourself would only reach out to two or three people but then because they're friends with other people you actually see there's a lot of people that i saw a lot of or see mm-hmm. a lot of that actually i don't speak to regularly directly yeah i, I would never message like them well. but i spend a lot of time with them yeah because they happen to be friends, friends of people who people. are more prominent yes. in your life yeah yeah absolutely especially me with the fact that i do travel a lot and like visit friends all over the country all over the world and like that often means that when i'm visiting it's either like i go out by myself or i hang out with my friend and their friends so yeah i have a lot of like situations like that as well where sometimes i mean sometimes if you, you do it repeatedly you do become closer with those yes. people as well but or I might message and pop up and be like, hey, I'm in your city. Do you want to catch a movie? That would be which is important to do. Do you want to do something? <laughs> which is important to do. Yeah. I think more people should See people in, pe- in person. And <laughs> keep keep up. Don't yeah. think that just because it's been eight years. I agree. That, it, that it's not what. Yes, that's a huge thing for me. Like, I've, I very much am of that same mindset. I feel like if you're, if you were friends with someone, you didn't have a falling out, but you just happen to be in different phases of your life now. To me, I don't think you've burned bridges. Like, I would be happy if anybody from my past reached out to me if they were near me or something. I was like, hey, do you want to catch up? Like, that would bring me a lot of joy. And I hope that when I do that to people, it seems the same and not like I'm somebody who hasn't talked to them at year in years and now all of a sudden I want to reach out to them, you know? Like, I... I don't know. I feel like, like you said, like I feel like you should be able to to do that. I think it's a good. But thing. I think that then makes a forever friend because it has to be where you can go chunks of time without speaking to them, mm. and then you feel comfortable whenever the right time is. So maybe though, because then, well, then I wouldn't say I have any seasonal friends. I'd say they're all forever friends. <laughs> You're like looking at me like what? No, no but in the yeah. sense that I think. Like, yeah, I look at seasonal friends as there are people who are present in your life, yes, but like, but what, they're not everybody always... Everybody at Cedar Point, mm-hmm. not every single person... So you say every single person that you knew at Cedar Point, you, you will message now. Doesn't mean I necessarily, like, I will, but if the circumstances happen to make it, like, no, but you, you comfortable work, for that, you I'd be with, willing to. How many people did you live with or um, worked with? A lot. <laughs> a lot, right. So some of them... Mm-hmm. You would hang out at the bar at night and have a good time. Yeah. But not all of them now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... But the the people... I think the people that I wouldn't hang out with... If I didn't have an established friendship with them then, and we were just merely co-workers or acquaintances or pa- roommates passing, you know, like... Well, I shouldn't say roommates, but like apartment mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that was the case... And I haven't reached out to them at all in the past. I'm not. I'm not gonna reach out to them in the future. But I think that's that's different than what I so mean those, when I say that those people aren't seasonal friends because they're are not even friends like for a reason. no. No, because we weren't ever really friends. They were just acquaintances. But the people who were ever actually friends of mine, if they were my friend, then I would feel like I should. Like, I feel like I could reach out to them whenever. I don't think so. So maybe it's like, I have a lot of friends in China mm-hmm. who are Chinese. Mm-hmm. And I have friends who, you know, in the Philippines mm-hmm. and other places where in an ideal world, I would love to be able to fly over and see them. But realistically, I probably will never mm-hmm. see them again yeah. because of geography. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're seasonal friends yeah. in the sense that realistically, we're only, only ever going to be online friends yeah so maybe you know friends for a reason are you know people that you 
work with yeah, I mean, or know. I could maybe see some of the people and then, being that. Then seasonal friends, you're there in one place. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, even America, like you're, some friends I'm sure have gone to places where really you'll never visit. But I, if it's somebody that I was like close with at a point, like, or like, I don't know, like people I studied abroad with or something, I feel like if I was close... So you'd always make the effort. If they reached out and said... Hey, I'm in Toledo, I would welcome them into my life. Or if I was in their hometown, wherever, and was like, hey, I'm in your area. Yeah, but how many people would you make an effort? How many people would you drive... 20 hours to go and see it's different no that's not i don't that's not how i if i happen to be in their area but that's that's different no maybe we're we're interpreting i'm interpreting that say somebody happens to be in liverpool Mm -hmm. you came to liverpool to see me Uh, yes i I was the reason yes right because we are well beyond Beyond friends. friends right so there's a difference between say somebody's visiting london on a holiday and i'm I would be like, oh, are you? And I will go down and see them. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of seasonal in the sense that we were we were friends then, and now it happens to be that we're, we're going to catch up. Versus somebody making the effort to come and even and I'm not saying you have to fly halfway around the world, but somebody's making an effort to come and see you, or you attend their wedding. You know, or you attend the Those fall, party. to me, those fall more into the forever friend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe that's the dividing line. Do you do you seek out that person for them or are, is it just happen chance? Happen chance? Happenstance? Happen Coincidence? <laughs> that you're there in the area. Because surely you have, you know lots of people in America. Yeah. But not everyone you would drive to see them alone. But then there's some people right, who but you're, if you're in, you're in I don't know, wherever, Seattle, and you're like, oh, I know these people in Seattle, mm-hmm. which is an added bonus. Yeah. Yeah. If I were, let's say I had friends in Seattle and I was visiting, well, I had previous friends in Seattle, right? Like we, there was a time in our lives that we were friends, that we needed each other for whatever phase of our life we were going through. We were a close group. But then due to our lives taking us separate ways, we don't really communicate much anymore, even with social media. If I was in their area, I would absolutely reach out to them and see if they wanted to grab a drink, dinner or something. If I knew that that's, if I knew they were around. Like, I feel like if they were close to me at some point and we didn't have a falling out, Yes, that was, that's what I call a se- uh, like a seasonal friend, but I think what you're calling a seasonal friend is something different. And so for me, like just because they were a seasonal friend doesn't mean they're not a forever friend. It just means they're not a present friend for forever. So what's your dividing line then? Between? Seasonal and forever. Well, no, I think a seasonal friend is a forever friend. Um, I think a seasonal friend is... Think of all the people you knew and hung out with in Shanghai. But what I think a seasonal friend is... Maybe maybe I'm more harsh. Yeah, well, and I think think maybe other people are after this conversation, which might be why you guys were, like, offended when I talked about seasonal friends. Because for me, like, I consider, like, a seasonal friend, like, the... Somebody who I was actually really close to, not somebody that was just like there. Like they were somebody I had a really deep friend connection with. And maybe for whatever reason, because of where life took us, we just don't really communicate all that often anymore. But if there's somebody that I would reach out to, like again, when I'm 
traveling or something and I might see them I mean once a decade or something just because I happen to be in their area to me they've then crossed the threshold to a forever friend because there's somebody that I know even if but geography is important in friendships there is a difference Mm -hmm. in the fact that you and I yeah speak a lot online yes but we'll see each other I haven't seen you in four years So that that's a difference to people in your geographic right. no, area so, that you see often. Yes. And I think I just suppose think that's I think it's important to recognise that. I think there are different as well. Yeah, yes. And I actually like being like people we yeah, we can talk about people just being present and how we have like more than just online friends anymore because that's an important thing to discuss as well. But specifically... Holding that thought. Yeah, holding that thought. Specifically in the realm of like seasonal friends versus forever friends. I think that forever friends can come in lots of different boxes, lots of different shapes and sizes. Nice. So forever seasonal friends, friends are ha- you hibernate the friendship. That's how I viewed it. But right. based on like the ways that we were talking about before, I don't like, I don't know if my, the way I used the term seasonal friend is the way that maybe other people do because maybe it seems like I'm saying forget about them after that season is over and I'm not saying that at all they're still just as important I think if somebody if you were close to somebody at any point in your life they're a huge part of the fabric of your life they all and they always will be even if you don't talk to them regularly but there's also people that you might have known at one time Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have a lot in common now yeah or you you wouldn't be able to just strike it up again. Yeah. Because. And I don't know what name I would, I would just call them like an old, an old friend. An old friend because you were both 18 or you were both 20 or you were both whatever. Yeah. And now they've gone that way, you've gone that way. There's very little that you have in common anymore. But at that time in your life and that place, you were good friends. Yeah. And now you've just happened to grown apart. Yeah. So maybe that that's a seasonal friend. Not by my definition. But surely that not not every single person you knew in China that not every single person you knew in China and that you would call a friend you could automatically without any awkwardness just have a conversation. There's people no. that I, I were friends with. No, but, but I, I probably would say that without without. Us but both, I don't know if I would call those seasonal friends. Like you're calling them seasonal friends. I'm not. Okay. There's if people I'm, that I knew in China that we had loved to talk about because we were in China. So we talk about frustrations or where we got dinner mm-hmm. or um, where we were going on holiday or... Now I'm we, confused we, by my own definition, to be We honest. would both... We would, do you know what I mean? So our friendship was based on this specific thing. Mm-hmm. And without that thing, yeah. there, there's not really a lot of friendship. Maybe I'm putting it in with this work, this friendship for a reason, that, you know, co-workers I was friends with, we would talk about... Deadlines or work or students, or which stuff like to that. me, yeah, because that's what, yeah, that's what I feel like you're kind of saying. Because maybe if if we're doing like the friends for a reason thing, being like you know work related, university related, whatever, like those chapters of your life that you you were just together because you were together. Maybe there's that. I don't know. Like for me, maybe that's what I would classify all these people who we were like friends, but we weren't close. You know, like who were they were a part of my life at a certain period of time, but they weren't my like, close 
friends. And because I think you can even have like close friends that are just really mostly present during, like especially when I worked at, at the amusement park, we spent a summer together and it wasn't that we were just coworkers and that we were just like friends in that sense. We were really close. We became extremely close during that time because we spent all day every day together, but we like, we're like a family, you know, for that chunk of time in my and life. Ev- and every single one you would drive across America no. Right. So there's a difference. No. <laughs> ah! <laughs> this is getting frustrating. <laughs> Why are we so unclear on this? So, no. I, I, I think all the people who I really was close with. And yes. Like, yeah, the whole group became close. And but how big are, is this group? That group was a group of like 16 people. Right, okay. But. But you knew more people, I see the point. Yes, but even in that group of roughly 16 people, there is a a handful of them that like would be more, at this point, I would say maybe they were just like the friends for a reason. Like no matter what, if you've got a group of 16 to 20 people, you can all be close, but there will be closer bonds within that group of 20, right? It's not gonna be an equal, equally spread out friendship. And so of those close bonds, I used to call those people seasonal friends, but you're like, based on what you are saying is that's not a seasonal friend. For me, those were seasonal friends. And then there were like, you know, two people from that really close group or maybe three people from that really close group that became forever forever friends. friends. But of the people that were my close seasonal friends then, I would gladly, if I was in their area, I would without a doubt reach out to them and spend some time with them no questions asked maybe your listeners can write in their <laughs> definition <laughs> oh this is gonna be a nightmare you need, to a, edit. Peer, you need a peer box <laughs> right next topic <laughs> or well but what we were saying before i think it's important mm-hmm. i think it's healthy to also understand that you live in america most of the time yeah and i live in england yeah so therefore, the people that live near me and are in my life will, will take precedence over you. Well, it's good for your own mental health that right, you have which, which, present people. And I think it, it's hard work a lot of the time to try and maintain a friendship online. Yeah. Zoom. It can be. Because it, it does take conscious effort. Zoom. Or can we say COVID? Mm. Zoom yeah, killed me during it. the pandemic. Yeah. They used to, I, I used to... It's a lot of commitment. It becomes exhausting because yeah. you like scheduling in all these meetings and game nights and all kinds of things. And, and so, at, to some degree, we all needed it, but then it fell off so quickly. You know, I feel like there were a few months where we were like really active at it because we were deprived of human interaction. And then all of a sudden we're like, I'm exhausted. Because it wasn't the same. <laughs> there was some yeah. sort of weird thing of... And there's, you couldn't have a natural silence. Mm. You couldn't just stare at somebody on a computer screen in silence. But when you're in real life, you can have little yeah. pauses, yeah. which are natural, mm-hmm. which you couldn't have Yeah, that's true. Screen. You have to be, like, on all yes. the time. I did, though. I will say that one thing that, like, Zoom calls during that time period did for me was allowed me to become, or at least contact some of those... Seasonal The friends. lower level of seasonal lower friends. Lower level seasonal I don't, okay, friends. lower level sounds bad, oh. but... I'm if trying you were to... contacted by Tara during COVID. No, just, no, like, because we would do big group things, like, things, like, it was almost like a reunion. Right. Of, like, people that were, like, once a part of my life, and, like, yeah, I have very fond memories of them, and I always will, but, like, just people who, yeah, our lives have fully taken us, like, out of touch with each other, and that does happen, and, like, it was so nice to see them and to, and to chat with them. And I will agree with you as well. There are some people that, through Zoom 
calls. It started us chatting again online, whereas probably we'd been quite quiet before. Mm-hmm. And one is actually coming to stay with us, isn't mm. she, at the end of the month. So yeah, that was... Okay. So I knew we were in Korea. Mm. But then because of COVID, we decided to have like a Zoom reunion because as you would know it's really hard the thing about covid was that everybody was off whereas most of the time everybody's working so with time differences it's impossible to schedule a call mm-hmm. whereas that first lockdown the sort of 2020 lockdown everybody was free all day yeah it didn't matter if it was morning afternoon evening whatever so that that was a nice you know it was uh, I'm going to sound awful even saying this. Go on. But just like something that was nice about the whole world experiencing this together is kind of like what you said, like everyone was off. And not that uh, it's not that everyone was off, but it's that on some level, all of us were experiencing something together, you know? And it's that safety in numbers thing that yeah. you were saying. So it's that need for people mm-hmm. that means people were more likely to... Get touch with people. We do need people. There's a really great quote by Jamie Twerkowski. He's the founder of To Write Love on Her Arms. And founder of what? To Write Love on Her Arms. So To Write Love on Her Arms, and this is from their website, is an American nonprofit organization that aims to present hope for people struggling with addiction, depression, self-injury, and thoughts of suicide while also investing in treatment and recovery. Yeah. Um, and the, the founder actually came to the university that I was at and did like a big old um, event and it was very beautiful and I ended up buying a tank top there that had this quote on it that I just fell absolutely in love with and it's just about needing humans which is something that I'm a big fan of, big proponent of. The quote says, you'll need coffee shops and sunsets and road trips, airplanes and passports and new songs and old songs, but people more than anything else. You will need other people. And you will need to be that other person to someone else. A living, breathing, screaming invitation to believe better things. And I, that just hits me in the feels every single time that I read it. I love it. It's like I said, I have a shirt that has that quote on it. And I think it's important to remember that we all do need humans. And everyone has different tolerance levels and different needs. Um, Everyone has, you know, you've got extroverts and introverts and everyone's got their own like I said, levels that need to be satisfied. And so maybe quarantining was easier on some people than others. But I do think just in general, can't argue the importance of human interaction. Like we need each other. So Yes, and if and if you're not getting a lot of it, reach out to people. Yeah. Make friends. There Make are friends. friends to be found everywhere. Everywhere. There are. Just because the people around you might not be what you need at this point in your life does not mean that there aren't people out there that are perfect for you for this time in your life. I mean, on that note too, it's really important to like see people in person, right? Because, you know, we have gone so digital. So be... Be present. Be present. Enjoy real humans, real life humans. And don't worry that because you're not physically present in someone's life, it becomes hard. It becomes hard to keep up conversation, chat, of friendship when you're very far apart mm-hmm. I think because it's effort it does it's, take not, effort. it's a lot of work to and maintain it so don't worry that it might have gone quiet yeah for periods of time that's just normal because as we were saying it's that thing of when you do meet or chat it yeah it's all as if nothing as if the that space was never there never there you know? yeah yeah because sometimes you just can't all the time message 
after everything. Yeah. And sometimes it just really is important that you, like, you know, for your own mental health, that you're just spending time present with people or that you're taking a break from people. And so, like, doing whatever that means to you shouldn't mean that your friends take that offensively, you know? Yes. And as a good friend, you should respect your friend's boundaries, too, and what they need in that situation. Because, yeah. Because it just makes sense. If you're living in an area of people, you'll do more stuff with them. You'll be, you'll be physically easier to go to. Yeah their birthdays and their weddings and their and be at their birthdays and things so you know in your ideal birthday party you would all fly in Mm -hmm. from all four corners of the globe i always worry about my funeral and how because all my friends are like (laughs) christ (laughs) all my friends are located all over the place and i'm like oh nobody's gonna be at my funeral it was really weird i don't know if this might be a bit <laughs> well, in, I just in the pandemic, funeral, the, so. the streaming funerals. Ooh. Oh, it was it was awful, mm. absolutely awful. That's not fun. Because it, it that that's but that's what you were saying is that is that humans together mm-hmm. that well, it's like an upload. makes it a bearable or you know makes it a bearable event mm. or something that is comforting. Yeah, the actual prayer and reading on a screen is quite. Yeah, it's like, it's one thing, there's the sentiment that like, you're trying to be there, right? And that's nice. But the rest of it is really like disconnected, you know, like just doing it through a screen. I don't know, maybe you guys, maybe the listeners have different opinions on that. Please let us know. Please write in to Tara's PO Box, (laughs) PO Box 100. No. US of A. Just, you know, DM me, let me know what you're thinking. I mean, thinking. I'm not worried about my funeral. Do you know why? Why? I'll be dead. <laughs> Bother me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know, you know I, I, yeah, because maybe my concern stems from, like, the people who will show up might judge my, the quality of my life based on who shows up, and I think... What do you mean? Yeah, well, when I was young... Yes. My brother's, like, best friend passed. And I remember everyone making a big deal about how it was the biggest funeral that our town had seen. Apart from um, one, like, firefighter. So it was kind of, like, a huge deal in my 11-year-old mind that so many people came to celebrate his life. And so I think maybe I've internalized that over time. That I feel like the amount of people that show up at your funeral is somehow a measure of... The quality of person you are, or the quality of life you had, and but the life—the life that you've led—that mm-hmm. can't happen. Yeah, because you've been to so many continents and so many places. Yeah. that's going to be geographically impossible. I know it's a thing from my so past. I need to rewrite that, mentally. That, but that richer life you've had mm-hmm. has meant that actually you probably will have a, small a smaller funeral. <laughs> You shouldn't, but then again, it's about, you know, quality of friendships yeah. and the, the, the Quali- variety the quality and of variety yes. of friendship yeah. rather than just knowing everybody mm-hmm. in one town, yeah, which true. is also valuable. Yeah. I'm not disvaluing that. Yeah. Well, he was, he was also really young too, so like, yeah, he could have done anything with his life. We so. all can't have a funeral like yeah. Lady Diana or who else had a big funeral? I don't know. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> No, we, we will it, it can't happen mm-hmm. so don't don't worry about it yeah I'll be dead don't worry about <laughs> it. don't worry about the things in the words of Paul I'll that, be dead but you will be <laughs> yeah I know you'll be dead nervous laugh doesn't doesn't, doesn't matter <laughs> no you're right you're right 
Yeah, it's fine. I don't even know if I would want like a funeral. Probably, but we talked about burials. This is way off topic. I, I, mean, I, so I, I would topic. like I would like somebody to weep. <laughs> I, I, do want, I don't want people there. You don't want people celebrating your life. You want people no, to no, hysterically. I, I, I do want a bit of emotion. I want emotion. people weeping. No, I tell you what I want. I want people being quite stoic <laughs> and, and holding back tears, but just like one one teardrop comes. That's how through. I am at the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> Try so hard not let the tears out. But it's also weird that. that when mum died mm-hmm. and, you know, people come up and talk to you mm-hmm. about her mm-hmm. and then you think, Price, what are they going to say yeah. about me? Because when they, you, oh, when you. They, because they said things like she she was the most non-judgmental person, mm. which she was. Well, they're not going to say that. About uh, me. And they say, oh, she was the soul of discretion. As in, you could tell mum anything. Mm-hmm. I could have told mum that I'd murdered somebody. And she'd be like, right, we'll, we'll bury the body <laughs> here. Do you know what I mean? It was very calm mm. and do that. But I don't know if they're going to say I'm the soul of discretion. Mm. So it's that, it's that thing of what, what will you be remembered for yeah. or by. Well, other people write the story of your life, so. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you write an autobiography, then you write the story. Yes, history's yes. <laughs> I was going to say history's written by the victors, but that doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean it's it's true. There was a quote about. But that, maybe that, but maybe that is something that you can write an autobiography. No, as in something you can think about, which mm. is. What do I want to be known for? Yeah, ultimately, mm-hmm. when people die, it's not people don't remember their car and they don't remember their achievements mm-hmm. and they don't remember. The, they remember how, how you, you made, made them, them feel. feel. Yeah, and <laughs> that sound like a book. <laughs> well, it's the same with the kids, you know, when the kids are new at school, mm-hmm. and then this is obviously when they're first in school, mm-hmm. so like year seven, not like higher school when they're doing exams and things. Mm, okay. But you do parents' evening and they're not fussed about academic success and they're not too fussed in that first term about have they, you know, are mm-hmm. they are they top of the class in biology? They want to know have they made friends? Are they nice? Are right. they kind? Are they the kids that people want to be with? Mm-hmm. And ultimately you are remembered for how you, you make other people feel, how welcoming you are more than your academic achievements or absolutely economic achievements absolutely and that's because humans are more emotional than we like to let on so yeah sure there might be a book published about what you've accomplished but in the end yeah your character is really what shines through it's important be a good person people that's the moral of the story well this has been fun it has Thanks so much for joining me today, Paul. I really enjoyed having you on my podcast. If you guys all enjoyed it as well. It's been a pleasure. They always do that at the end of interviews, don't they? If you always see it, they always go, pleasure. Yeah. I think it's a pleasure. Mm. Has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure to have you on this show. It's been my pleasure to be on your show. Lovely. Thank you. Wait, this could go round and round. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Hopefully the audience does as well. Definitely let me know on Instagram if there's anything that you want to hear me and Paul discuss while I'm here in England for the next few weeks. P.O. Box 100, (laughs) Toledo, US of A. Yes, in my Instagram DMs. Thank you. Or even on like one of the posts if I post anything, which I haven't been doing, but if I do. You can reach out to me there. Anyway, there's lots of things. Paul is a wealth of knowledge on the world and how to be happy. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. (laughs) How to be more easygoing. Yeah, careless. Careless? 
Careless. <laughs> careless and careless. Yeah. Oblivious. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. All right, and that's where we are going to wrap up this episode. As you guys can tell, there were definitely some topics that we did not find common ground on where maybe you thought that we were and maybe we thought we were and then all of a sudden we were on different pages again, i.e. the conversation about friends. (laughs) So I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Please head on over to Instagram to um, participate in the conversation and let us know who's right, who's wrong, or which sides you can understand, or just tell me how, how wrong I am. You know, or just share your thoughts on anything else that we discussed in today's episode. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Girl Meets 30. If you're looking for more ways to engage in these discussions about growing ourselves through this chaotic, beautiful mess we call life, then come join the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Girl Meets 30. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and a follow on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again for your support, and I'll catch you guys next week.